I'm kind of homesick for that country where I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will Time won't matter anymore. Land, I'm longing for you, and someday on thee I'll stand. I am really happy, y'all. <laughs> I'm looking out across that river where by I'm looking out across that river where by faith my end's inside a few more days will wait and Then I'll take my heavenly flight to Beulah Land. I'm longing for you, and someday on the
know what Beulah land is, you need to know, amen. Amen. Wow. What a blessing, what a blessing. Thank you, Brother Ray. Uh, just want to say thank you so much for always helping us out and always bringing us into a, a time of worship like this. We appreciate you, brother. And we appreciate your whole family, Miss Betty, and just so thankful for all of you. Amen. Well, as promised, I am sharing a message today. Uh, oh, Children's Church, thank you. It's always the teachers. Children's Church, eight years old and younger. Oh, Miss Janet, you got your hands full today. Amen. Going to be a blessing. Going to be a blessing. Great. Well, as promised, I, I have been um, really just been spoken to, I feel like, in, in the way that God does about religion. Uh, and, you know, Christian people oftentimes give religion a bad name. And religion ain't all that bad, and I think we're going to discover why. But first I want to tell you about uh, one Sunday morning, this 2,000-member Baptist church uh, was absolutely filled to overflowing. Suddenly, when the preacher was ready to start his sermon, two men dressed in black coats and ski masks entered through the rear of the church. One of the men walked through the middle aisle and stopped about midway up while the other one stayed at the back of the church, and they both reached under their long black coats and pulled out automatic weapons. The one towards the front announced, Everyone willing to take a bullet for Jesus, stay in your pew. Naturally, the pews began to empty, followed by the choir, the deacons ran out the door, followed by the choir director and the associate pastor. And after a few moments, there was about 20 people left in this 2,000-member church as the pastor held fast to his pulpit. The men put away their weapons and then gently said to the preacher, All right, pastor, the hypocrites are gone now. You can start preaching. Wow. I guess that's one way to separate the saints from the sinners, amen? But, of course, that's certainly not the only way to determine whether or not you're a committed Christian. Often it takes a whole lot less to separate the committed Christian from the non-committed Christian. So how do we tell the difference? Well, here's a few ways for you. Uh, one, when you get your paycheck, what do you do with it? Do you immediately just pay all your bills and find out what things you can buy? Or do you begin immediately to think of how you're going to include the Lord and give back to Him? Another way is on a three-day weekend or a vacation. What do you do? Do you... Remember the Lord? Do you honor the Lord by going to church even when you're on vacation? Hmm. What if someone approached a Christian and said, My life is miserable. I sure need something to change in my life. I got to have some help from somewhere. What that Christian says will speak volumes about his or her commitment to Jesus Christ. Will he or she offer the hope that only Jesus Christ can offer? 
or will he just try to cheer him up? Will he speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ or will he just shut up and say nothing? So just how religious are you? How religious are you? It seems that being religious is almost a curse word in certain circles. But you know, people are religious about a great many things. Some people are religious about sports, maybe about movies or TV. I've met some people that are religious about video games, about traveling or shopping. Some people are religious about hunting or fishing. You name it, and people can be very religious about it. But how religious are we when it comes to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, the biggest difference between all of these religions is that Christianity is based, founded, driven, and sustained with a a living relationship with He who is our Creator and our Savior. It's different. So do you have a relationship with Jesus that leads you to be religious when it comes to your daily activities? In the Bible, James, the half-brother of our Lord, says that if you're religious in regards to the Lord, you have a greater responsibility in this life. In other words, it's not all about you. You have a greater responsibility. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses beginning in verse 22. In verse 22, James says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. For if anyone among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted, from the word, from the world. Let us pray. Father, we know that there's a worldly religion, and we know that there is a Christ-like religion. Help us to understand religion as you intended it to be, focused on you. In Jesus' name, and all the people of Bethel said, Amen. Amen. If you're religious, In regards to the Lord, you have a greater responsibility in the life you live. But if you're religious, James says, 
The first thing you'll do is listen and do God's word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Back in the 1950s, one of the most recognizable brands in America showed this picture of a dog sitting in front of an old-time gramophone. Does anybody here know what a gramophone is? What's a gramophone, Richard? It's a yes, yeah, an old. That's right. It's an old-timey record player with a big old horn on it for the speaker. Um, anyway, it was a picture of this dog sitting in front of this gramophone with his head kind of half cocked, listening to the sound coming out of that record player. RCA Victor used that image for years, but that dog was real. That dog's name was Nipper, and it was owned by a man named Francis Barad. Now, it turns out that the dog's owner had recorded his voice on an early phonograph record, and shortly thereafter, he passed away. But whenever those records of his master's voice were played, old Nipper would run to that record player, sit down in front of it, cock that head, and listen intently to his master's voice. What a beautiful image that is of the relationship Christians should have with their Lord and Master Jesus Christ. He has gone away from the earth. So we can no longer hear His physical voice, but we can sit in front of His Word. We can kneel before Him in prayer, and we can too listen for our Master's voice. I want you to know this morning that this book, the Holy Bible is intended to be the voice of the Lord for you. And it's not only to be heard with audible sounds bouncing off your eardrums, it's also intended to be observed. It's intended to be done. In fact, friend, the true sign that you're hearing the voice of Jesus is the level of obedience you have to the words that he says to you. Are you listening? Are you truly listening to your master's voice? Sometimes I wonder if you listen whenever I preach God's word. Whenever you hear from the master, so to speak. So, how good of a listener are you? You may not know this, but you think four times faster than you can hear somebody talk. So do you use that extra time then to think about other things while you're pretending to listen to somebody? Huh? Come on. Raise your hand. Ever done that? Mine goes over here and you're still participating in the conversation? Do you avoid listening to things that you feel might be difficult to understand? Man, that goes over my head. I'm not even going to bother. Ever done that? Raise your hand. 
Can you tell by the way someone looks whether or not anything they say is going to be worthwhile to listen to? Uh-huh. When someone is talking to you, do you appear to be paying attention, but you're really not? Come on. Amen. Go ahead and raise your hand. Vicky's back there waving her hand. Amen. When listening, are you easily distracted by outside sights and outside sounds? Let me tell you how you can really know. Let me tell you how you can really tell if you're a good listener to God's Word. Look at verse 22 with me. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word. You know, anybody can come to church. Anybody can come and listen to a sermon. Anybody can read the Bible if they want to. But the proof in the pudding is are you doing God's Word? Are you doing what it says? The illustration in this passage is very obvious. When you look into a mirror, the mirror of God's Word, do you see yourself as you really are? Do you see yourself as you really are and then you, you want to make some changes in your life? I mean, how could you not see yourself as you really are and not want to change something in your life? How could you not want to do something when you read God's Word? Bottom line is this. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll listen and do God's Word. But also, if you're religious about Jesus, you'll keep a tight rein on your tongue. Watch out now. I know what you're thinking. Brother Bill, now you're minding somebody else's business. Verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, say religious. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Wow, I think he's serious. John Wesley, the great preacher in the 1700s, was not only a fine speaker, but it's said that he was a very spiffy uh, dresser. Well, one Sunday morning, he wore this bow tie, and he had these long ribbons coming off of his bow tie. After the sermon, a lady asked him, he said, Brother Wesley, are you open to some criticism? And he said, well, I guess so. What is it you want to criticize? She said, these ribbons on your bow tie are entirely too long and very inappropriate for a man of God. She took out her scissors and cut them off. A hush fell over the people that were around him. And Wesley calmly asked, Now, ma'am, may I borrow your scissors? <laughs> he asked her, Ma'am, are you open to some criticism? And she said, Well, I suppose so. And what did Wesley say? Stick out your tongue. <laughs> wow. Verse 26 in the NIV says, if anyone considers himself religious yet doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I think that's perhaps one of the hardest things that we have in this world to do. Is to keep our mouths shut 
when we need to keep our mouths shut, to keep control of our tongues, to monitor the words that we use, for there is power in our words. But I like the old saying that I heard about on a t-shirt. It said, Lord, make my words sweet as honey, because tomorrow I may have to eat them. Amen? William Norris wrote, If your lips would keep from slips by things observed with care, to whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how and when and where. My, my. That can be so difficult. It can be so difficult. So what can we do to keep a tight rein on our tongue? Like everything else, you can take it to the Lord in prayer. But most of all, think before you speak. Think before you speak. The Lord can do all kinds of things that we can't do, but He still demands that we think before we speak. So if you're religious about Jesus, you'll listen and do something. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll keep a tight rein on your tongue. But James also says, if you're religious about Jesus, you'll minister to those in distress. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. You remember 9-11? September 11th of 2001 was a very distressing day. It was a distressing day for the American people, but it was a distressing day for a lot of other people too. You know what happened that day. We all do. What a shock it was to America when over 3,000 Americans were killed in a terrorist act that, that killed innocent Americans. What a distressing day that was. But it was also a distressing day for Juanita Shepherd. That was the very day that her son, a pastor, had to put her in the National Health Care Nursing Home. She had been hospitalized for a very bad infection following surgery. It was so bad that it drained her health. It made her weak. It caused her to lose her eyesight. And it landed her in a nursing home. The doctor told that son, Your mother can no longer live at home by herself. I'll keep her here at the hospital over the weekend if you'll promise to come on down and take her to her nursing home next week. He really didn't want to, but he felt like he had no choice. So on Monday, September 10th, that day before the 9-11 tragedy, the son researched and visited nursing homes, hoping to find a clean one with nice, nice people. And he found National Health Care to be just the right one for him. Early the next morning, that day of terrorism, he put his mother in that nursing home, and then it was only later that he found out what happened at the Trade Center and at the Pentagon. It was a distressing day for America, but it was a distressing day for his mom, too. You know, I've always heard it said that you better treat your children well because they're the ones that's going to be choosing your nursing home. Well, that's true. Amen. This pastor's mother was not the only distressed widow at that nursing home. There were many residents there, many of which never got a visit. 
many of which never even got spoke to by very many people. They were neglected. Now, there are many people that don't feel they do enough for a resident, a family member that's at a nursing home. But many residents have family in the same town. And they still don't go to visit. Friend, if you're truly religious about Jesus Christ, if you have a true relationship with the Lord, then I want you to know that you should minister to those who are in distress. Verse 27 in the NIV says, Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, I don't know very many orphans, but I know plenty of distressed widows in nursing homes. I think that this is where we as a church might be missing out on the greatest ministry to the most needy of people. You know, whenever I go to visit them, I get this overwhelming sense that I'm pleasing God some way. That I'm honoring Him, not just them, but that I'm honoring God. When I visit them, when I talk to them, when I make them laugh, when I pray with them, when I just show that I care, it's mighty good to know that I'm obeying the Lord. I wonder, is this perhaps an area where our church is missing the boat in visiting widows in the nursing homes or any family members in the nursing homes that are distressed? Friends, I want you to know that if you're religious about Jesus, you'll listen and do the word. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll keep a tight rein on your tongue. If you're religious about Jesus, I want you to know you will minister to those in distress. But finally, if you are religious, James says you will keep yourself clean. Verse 27. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I read where some friends took preacher Bud Robinson up to New York and showed him all around the city. That night, Bud prayed, Lord, I thank you for letting me see all the sights of New York. And I thank you most of all, Lord, that I didn't see a single thing that I wanted. Wow. You know, when it comes to the pollution in our world, it's not just in New York. When it comes to the pollution in our world, it's everywhere. There's nothing wrong, friend, with seeing the sights of this world as long as we don't get infatuated with these things to the point where we forget about God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Seriously, did you know that some people get so caught up in the things of this world that they actually start to worship them? And you know that Worshiping anything more than God. Worshiping anything more than Jesus Christ is idolatry. And that's truly a heinous sin indeed. Romans 1.25, the Bible says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things instead of the Creator. He who is forever to be praised. Amen. Paul said to Timothy, Mark this, 
There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He said, have nothing to do with them. John wrote, don't love the world or anything in the world, for if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, while addressing Southern Baptists, George Gallup of the Gallup Poll Company said, you know, our polls find that there is very little difference between the ethical behavior of churchgoers and those who are not actively religious. He said the levels of lying, cheating, stealing are remarkably similar in both groups. Yet eight of ten Americans consider themselves to be Christians. How do we keep ourselves from being polluted by the world? You know, friend, it's okay to be in the world. It's not okay to be of the world. So what do we do? We keep looking up. We keep reading God's Word and allowing God's Word to change us. We keep on obeying God the best we can, not the least we can. And we stop straddling the fence in regard to the world. That's taking a bold stand for the work of Jesus Christ. Choosing Him over the world. We choose Him over the world and then He'll keep us clean. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll listen and do something. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll keep a tight rein on your tongue. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll minister to those who are in distress. If you're religious about Jesus, you'll keep yourself clean. You may have heard about these two brothers that lived down our way. One was do, and the other was say. But this one thing from none was hid. Say always talked. And do always did. Which one are you? Are you a talker or a doer? What does all this tell us about being religious? It tells us that the most important thing in our life ought to be our relationship with Jesus Christ. To the point where it affects everything we do. To be pleasing in God's sight, we must put our faith in action. If your faith is not in action, it's dead, the Bible says. Before you can even begin to put your faith in action, well, you've got to have faith first, don't you? You have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of every service, we always offer an opportunity where someone can place their trust, place their faith, and the only means that God provided for us as human beings to have a relationship with Him. And that's through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. During the song we'll sing, I want you to know, God invites you. He invites you today into a close, intimate relationship where He'll help you to keep clean. He'll help you to minister to those in distress. He'll help you keep a tight rein on your tongue. And that can be difficult, amen? He'll help you. But first you have to turn your life over to Him for Him to take over. Let us pray.
Father in heaven, when we look into the mirror of your word, Lord, we always see that something needs to change. Father, when we have not yet placed our faith in you, in your Son, Jesus Christ, we realize that we can't save ourselves. Lord, we realize because of what your word teaches us that we are full of sin and that we can do nothing about our sin. But you stepped in and you did something about our sin. Stepped out of the glory of heaven. Took our place, as it were, on that old rugged cross. Father, I pray if there's one here who has never placed their faith in Jesus, Lord, they'd make today their day. A brand new start to a brand new life. That they'd be born again into the family of God. But Father, if there's somebody here that realizes they're not religious about Jesus, they're religious about a great many things, but Jesus is not one of them. Lord, I pray that your word would be like a mirror. And they would look into the mirror of your word and realize something's got to change. Lord, whatever your will is in this service, if there's someone who needs to follow through in believer's baptism, if there's someone who needs a church home, Lord, let today be their day. It's time for them to make a difference in the world they're living in. And we know that without you, we cannot do it. And Father, use us and use this time to make decisions for you. In Jesus' name, and all the people of God said, Amen.